it's Friday the 28th of July. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'm quitting Coots with immediate effect. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we chuck a pile of papers into the air and catch all the good bits before they land. We highlight the headlines, search out the scoops and forage for the funniest stories for your and our delight. Remember, we're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Feeling gassed? British gas profits soared by 900% in the last six months. Sinead O'Connor suddenly a saint. Singer dies young and papers decide they love her after all. And Harry Nil, the papers won. Much of Prince Harry's latest litigation against the papers has already been thrown out by the judge. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've had our towels on the sun loungers since 6am. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and here to join me is art appreciator, rent absurdist, and writer for the New Statesman, Marie Leconte. Hello, Marie. Hello. And joining us fresh from a sellout UK tour, it's stand-up comedian and influencer tease, Finn Taylor. Hi. (laughs) So what have we got on the front pages today? Marie, what have we got? Um, In the eye, we have World Enters Era of Global Boiling, which feels quite ominous, but also it's all small story at the bottom saying, I left my wife because she voted for Brexit. Um, (laughs) Which, sure. Telegraph has gone with, public must be spared a huge burden of net zero, warns Blair. Which is quite fun. You know, Telegraph now likes uh, Tony, which is interesting. Um, And the Mail has gone with, Harry's hacking claim thrown out by court. Finn, what about you? The Guardian has era of global boiling has arrived and it is terrifying. Just I was to looking make, forward just to, to make it. Just to sure yeah. you know how you're meant to feel. The star's great. The star has the British gas profit story, but with a really big photo of the boss of Centrica, uh, calling him a beardy, weirdy Centrica boss who's pocketed four and a half million pounds. And what's the headline? How do you sleep? The Sun has a story about the cancer campaigner Deborah James's daughter carrying on her work, but also leads with the British gas profits story. Yeah. Great. All right. Let's do some British gas. Yeah. (laughs) Now, on the front pages of many papers, including a proper outraged headline from, of all papers, The Star, is the story about British gas making 10 times more profit in the last six months than it did in the six months before. It made... Should we do a drum roll? Nine hundred and sixty-nine million pounds profit during that time after Ofgem let it increase household energy bills. Or, as the Star puts it, gas firm bosses are wallowing in cash after our sky-high energy bills sent their profits soaring to stratospheric levels. Marie, this does seem quite indefensible, doesn't it? It does, and it's kind of a it's a slightly weird story because if you look at it, you know, in in some depth, it's actually quite complicated because it's like meant to be a one off sort of you know massive bonus, meant to recoup some money from before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the end of the day, I think it is still quite simple. It's you know companies who have made a lot of money while the people they charge uh, are really struggling to pay their bills, and it, you know it's one of yeah one of those weird like technically complicated but also incredibly straightforward stories. Yes, exactly. So I tried to. Like understand why they were claiming all this stuff. Like it was really hard to understand. It was like fiddling by off, not fiddling as in they're kind of rippers mm. off, but like kind of fiddling with percentage points from off gem. It's basically really complicated. But the percentage of our bill that affects the suppliers' profits is going to be allowed to go up. And you're just it's 
completely astonishing to anybody who's got a large energy bill. Mm. Oh, the optics are absolutely dreadful. Yeah, Particularly when the boss looks like a Simpsons <laughs> villain, like he's got a curly moustache going up. Exactly, it's you a twisty not, villain's moustache, isn't yeah. it? It's literally, he should be going like this, ah, ha, ha. Um, he's called Chris O'Shea, and he personally made £4.49 million last year. Well, I'm happy for him. I mean, yeah, we're very happy for him. I did read a little bit about him. The Mail gave us some information. Um, he supports Celtic. His favourite album is Primal Screams, Screamadelica, and his favourite book is Train Spotting. So essentially, he sounds very kind of right on Scottish indie guy from the 90s. Mm. <laughs> also, it reads like a dating profile. <laughs> it's like, is it like single and advertising himself? I've got, you know, four million last year, and these are my favourite bands. <laughs> my number is at the bottom of the piece. <laughs> There's a fairly obvious link, isn't there, Finn, with the UN announcing that we've hit a new era. Of global boiling. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into the global boiling era. It's exciting for... I thought global warming was just a bit tame. And I'm looking forward to global stewing, to global inferno. (laughs) Now, nearly all of yesterday's front pages featured a big picture of Sinead O'Connor, who died aged 56 on Wednesday morning. And there continues to be a lot of coverage about her. In The Guardian, several prominent people remember meeting her. In The Telegraph, there's a piece entitled The Day I Met Sinead O'Connor with many contributors. In The Times, there's another appreciation. Marie, it seems odd, doesn't it, that certain beloved artists, singers especially, only seem to be appreciated by the press when they die? Um, Yes, and I've always thought that it's like, it's just quite a gendered phenomenon as well, where you think basically the press only loves a woman when she's dead. No, no, but in that, you know, like papers will always find way that like, endless ways to criticize a woman for not acting the right way or doing the right sort of work, dressing the right way, etc. And the only way a woman can actually be like, oh no, fine, you know, no notes now is when she's died. Yeah, there is a bit of that. I mean, we saw it with Amy Winehouse. Although weirdly, I would say that this kind of approach uh, kicked off with Kurt Cobain. So mm. I remember that the papers generally were completely taken aback by just how many young people were absolutely devastated when he died. And they actually altered their approach to music, meaning that they started employing people like me who knew about music to come on the papers and say, actually, these people are really important. Maybe you should cover them before they die. Oh, and long story short, here we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it is, it's, it's difficult for musicians, I think, sometimes to get in the papers if, because what they want is the papers to cover the music. It's very hard to convey a song with yeah. words. So you have to go after what they're like, you know, Sinead O'Connor was very defiant, kind of like, I'm not what the record companies want me to be. That was the angle. So that's the story. So it's now weird for because she was like stirring up some kind of populist, you know, with cutting up the Pope that then outrages a certain amount of the population. So the papers report on that. And that's the kind of that's her narrative in the papers. And now, obviously, now she's died, the papers can kind of be much more holistic about her, including her work and stuff. Yes. Whereas before, it's just literally the scandal. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember when the the Pope incident and actually the outrage was all American. It really Mm. wasn't really Mm. an outrage in the UK. People just thought, okay, fair enough. You know, we were kind of possibly a little bit. You got over the Pope like 600 years ago. (laughs) Exactly. He's done. (laughs) We're not bothered. But it was definitely an American phenomenon, I Mm. think. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's a lot of the day I met Sinead pieces, which I find quite interesting because actually she was out and about a lot. She was living in Loughborough Junction. 
It's well, yeah. So, so I wonder as well if that, that that was maybe a sort of like commissioning thing where every newsroom separately was at. Oh my God, guys, we have found someone who's got quite a good story about meeting Sinead O'Connor. Let's print it in tomorrow's paper, and then presumably all the editors looked at the other papers and were like, oh. We all had the same idea. And turns out, again, she was out and about so much that everyone got to have their, I actually met her a couple of times, stories. Yes, exactly. It's um, a bit like she made the decision not to be, because she made the decision not to be a star, actually, she just lived in whatever community she lived in and went out and went out and about. So she made that decision. And then suddenly, it's a bit like um, a different angle on a star, isn't it? Because the idea that the papers have is that if you're, a singer, you have to be famous. Mm. You must be like Beyonce or Rihanna at all times. That's the only way of being a singer. But of course, lots of people aren't like that. No, I'm a fairly normal down-to-earth guy. <laughs> and yet your soprano is amazing. Yeah. I mean, alone amongst the kind of uh, I met Sinead bits, there is an interesting interview in The Guardian of um, this bloke called Daniel Glass, who worked with her on The Lion and the Cobra, which is her first album, and then also on I Am Not Your Girl. And he was actually there when she ripped at the picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. And he basically said she she didn't really feel that he that he she understood what she'd done. She just mm. did it and then mm. was kind of by herself in the dressing room. And he used contemporary words about it. So he said she was totally cancelled, which of course didn't exist then, mm. but mm. is true. She was cancelled yeah. by America, absolutely. That was the kind of best one. Here at Papercuts, headlines make us happy. We love funny puns, rubbish rhymes and all the aces alliteration. So, Marie, what have you got? Uh, well, Mick Jagger celebrated his 80th birthday um, the other night and the papers have had a tremendous time with it. So the Telegraph went with um, sympathy for the old devil. So the Sun went for the, I would say, not amazing vermouth like Jagger because he left his own party early. But I, was, I feel like, you know, they, they could have kept working on that. And then uh, the Mel went with Mick Stagger, which actually I would say is simple but elegant. And Finn, what what do you have? Three all from the Sun. Um, uh, so there's something about uh, the fires and roads impacting on a British wedding. The bride and plume. Big fiery Greek wedding nearly went up in smoke. Then uh, we have the story about a pub that uh, shut and the locals got a inflatable pub. <laughs> uh, that's called Air of the Dog. Very good. Top nice. Stuff. And then a really kind of just perfect headline uh, is covering the Jordan Henderson moving to the Saudi League and the kind of LGBT controversy around that. Pot of gold, end of the rainbow. Excellent. I mean, Excellent. I feel like we should so give good. them a medal for yeah, that, actually. That really is a good. really good one. Don't forget, we want you to give us your amazing headlines. Check our social media today for the hashtag Fix the Headline, where we'll put up a great story with a rubbish headline. If you tweet or thread us a better one, you could win a Papercuts t-shirt, just like the one I'm sporting today. Chic-tastic. Now, Prince Harry is back in the papers again for a familiar reason. He's attacking the papers. The mail leads with Harry's hacking claim thrown out by court. He's bringing civil litigation over alleged phone hacking and surveillance by News Group International, which owned The Sun and did own the news of the world. Marie, what's happening here? Um, well, so... For the most part, it's kind of been, you know, episode 1036 of Harry versus the papers. And the papers have kind of won this round because um, Harry 
um, tried to put forward a number of cases and actually um, the judge uh, threw out one of them because uh, Harry brought it on too late. There was one over whether the royal family and the papers had some sort of agreement about leaking secrets. Um, so, so yes, and n- not a great day for Harry. So I think there's still one claim that um, that will will go ahead. Um, yeah, and that's one that's at the but Sun. But it's, it's the not news- the sexiest one. No, it really isn't. It's just that the Sun and the News of the World might have used private investigators. So he's kind of lost a lot of the area that he wanted to litigate mm. on, really. Really. And it's also that's known, you know, that, that we know that papers used to use private investigators. Like that, that's not some kind of, you know, massive, uh, massive news. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, the papers have had some fun with it. Um, our our favourite, I would say, this morning was the star who went with nice dry shy guy, um, and a little picture of Harry actually with a, you know, like black band over his eyes because he's such a private person. Yeah, they never put a picture of him up anymore. They just put him with like the shy guy, anonymous <laughs> person with the with the black bit across his eyes. I mean, Finn, do you think Harry should give up now? Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> just everything. Just uh, shut up. Live in California. <laughs> I mean, it does seem quite American to me I think bringing all these cases do you know what I mean yeah it's sort of litigious in a way that but also it seemed to me a couple of months ago it was this big blockbuster like trial of the summer and it just seems to have fizzled out yeah but isn't the weird thing as well that you know he's Prince Harry has talked so much about therapy and how therapy has massively helped him and he's a changed man and he's learned a lot about himself. And I kind of feel like, you know, surely one of the big things you learn in therapy is that there's some stuff you've just got to let go of and you've just yeah. got to move on. Like, in, you know, which, yeah, no, yeah. Ex- I mean, exactly. I, I don't just mean that to be snarky. I think there's a point of saying, okay, even if some shit stuff happened at some point in my past, you know, you do just have to move on eventually. And I'm like, what did you learn in therapy if like what you got is I will keep suing the papers in any way I can for the rest of my natural life like that that does not strike me as kind of mentally and emotionally healthy but quite hard to be a therapist to royals because you'd say I think it's this and they'd be like I'd like a new therapist Mm. yeah that's true Now, somewhere between the Farage fanboying and the Ashes angst is the fun part of the papers. Trivial trends, cringy columns and pages upon pages about who went to Mick Jagger's 80th birthday party and what they wore to do so. Marie, in The Guardian, there's a problem which is sent in by the reader, which is this. It says, I feel too excited to sleep and too exhausted to wake up. How can I break this cycle? In fact, both of you, Marie and Finn, would you like to engage in some competitive tiredness? (laughs) I would love nothing more. So in my corner, so I'm fighting, if you're listening, I'm fighting the um, the good side of the chronic insomniacs. And Finn? I'm homeless and I have a two-year-old and a pregnant wife. Okay, so... Okay, so I feel like I did not know, like, some of those details. Yeah, I, just I didn't, thought you had, like, I found a child. you saying you retired on the WhatsApp thread yesterday quite quite offensive. Okay, are oh, you triggered? <laughs> <laughs> I say homeless, it's sort of middle-class homelessness and that we're doing up our house, but it's still tough. Tough, tired. Tired, very tired. Yeah, I think his kids will grow up. Like, hey, you did not, you know, you could sleep before, you'll be able to sleep again. And I will, so my main argument here, I think, Your Honour, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, is that it's kind of like it's sleeplessness with a purpose. Like, you made a person, you're making another one, you know, and it's going to be mm. cool. They're going to, you know, help you when you're retired and all that at some point. Whereas I'm just not sleeping because my brain is stupid. Like, I, I am not gaining anything on the long term from not you sleeping. You can take drugs. Do they work? Sorry? Uh, so I, I can't, I don't really take uh, sleeping pills, no. Like the, the weak ones don't work and the strong ones just make me act like a zombie the day after. Not mm. so good. So, Finn, what I would say is that... Um, double, right, double swears, was it, from it, Marie for that? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. As, uh, it, it's, there is a, a really amazing phase in a, any couple's life where you completely resent the other person for sleeping. Mm. You lie in bed and you think... 
I love you, but I want to kill you because you're asleep. Yeah. Are you there? I, I'm just a ghost, Miranda, <laughs> frankly. Uh, I just resent everything. Yeah, no, I'm, I, um, I'm happy to let you win. I'm so tired I don't care, <laughs> which maybe means I win. Perhaps, see, that's yeah. why you need the training of lifelong, like, you know, this is how I live all the time. So was this, I'm was just... this before, like, uh, TikTok and all that? It's not like a I'm glued to my phone thing. It's a... It's a, it's a oh, no, so even, a, even as a child, like, my parents tell... I mean, stories, and even now, it's kind of like war-level sort of stories of, like, as a toddler at 2am, I was like, and what do we do now? Oh God, <laughs> yeah. You're reminding me of my daughter. Yes, OK. <laughs> there is... I mean, I have to say the reply in The Guardian says, um, sleep issues can be signs of things that warrant professional help. Mm. So, so just for that. Yeah. yeah so there uh, you go. No, although I did quite, to be fair, I like the piece because I feel quite often someone will write in or say something and then people go, have you tried meditation or yoga, whatever? And it's, you know, and at least the piece acknowledged that actually some insomnia can't really be cured. And that's that. And just, you know, suck it up. Yeah, exactly. Not even getting drunk doesn't work. There's a lot of football around, isn't there? Yeah, the well, the transfer it's the summer transfer window, and the sort of big news story of that is that the Saudi Premier League have started hoovering up players, and the the kind of biggest story in all this is that Jordan Henderson, who was the Liverpool captain, has just gone to join Steven Gerrard at Al Etihad, Al Etihad, and it's a huge story because Jordan Henderson uh, had been very outspoken uh, in in favour of LGBT rights, and obviously. That's not Saudi Arabia. No, definitely. And he's not. gone there for seven, to take in seven hundred grand a week, and it's caused outrage because he'd spoken out so much. Uh, and yeah, the, the son leads with the leads with the part of the story about how he, when he was introduced uh, by the Saudi club, they took footage of him playing for Liverpool with his rainbow Premier League armband and grayed it out, which is just really grim. Mm, very grim. But there's a lot of people doing. It. I mean, Kante have is joined and Benzema's joined and you know like you I mean, said Benzema's like a I can that's a nasty piece of I can but Kante I feel like he's been led astray I feel like I it's just someone's that. held his hand and put him on a plane and he's like okay <laughs> I, I know, trust you he's just like, too he's nice just, he's too nice um, I know it's really sad but it's this weird where the Premier League's had this big like rainbow laces campaign and it's now just this huge clash of sort of corporate outward facing social justice you know rain, rainbows on the armbands and laces clashing with money and unfortunately, for people with limited careers, it feels like money is always going to trump. But that. isn't it? So I think, in a weird way, I nearly have more respect for people who just don't speak out at all on anything. So like, I, I love Jordan Pickford. Um, partly because, you know, during the World Cup or the Euros, where all the team was always, you know, happy, clappy, talking about important stuff. And, you know, Pickford did not say a thing at any point. He was just always grumpy in the background. And I'm like, you know what? I respect you just being like, fuck you all. I'm just going to do my fucking yeah, job yeah, and yeah. I'm going to stand yeah. over there. Um, so I, I think it's the hypocrisy, right, of going, I feel tremendously passionately about this. It's our duty as football players and role models to well, speak out. of course, out. but I and think then, that's yeah. a top-down thing. I don't think they're they're actually... I think they're being sort of manoeuvred into doing that because the Premier League feel this kind of oh. need to... Do. I think, mm. you know, it's being driven from the Premier League and from the clubs. And obviously there's not an out uh, male player, mm. um, several out female players in the World Cup. I mean, who's in? But anyway, anyway um, there's. Uh, so I sort of think, I feel like, maybe not to take away their agency, I feel like it is a top-down manoeuvre towards that to try and, you know, mm. change the culture and stuff. But, but yeah, the story is just grim, really. But um, the headline's very good. Yeah. So, Marie, you've got a story you particularly like. 
Well, yes. I mean, we mentioned it um, earlier in the show, the man who left his wife for Brexit, which actually sort of makes it sound like he left his wife for the concept of Brexit. Like, you know, he's kissing <laughs> Brexit on the mouth. Um, but no, so the actual headline is, my chin dropped to the floor, my wife voted leave. Um, yes, but I, I don't know, it's, it's a slightly weird one. I would say that the guy doesn't cover himself massively in glory because there's a bit in the story where he says... I love my kids with all my heart, but if they ever voted conservative, I would never speak to them again. Which, <laughs> <laughs> You're intense. just looking for an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the kids Local also. elections, was it? I don't care. I'm not speaking to it again. I'm cutting off the child support. There is a huge irony in that, uh, in that a sort of relationship wasn't working and was difficult, and rather than stay and fix it, he just buggered off. Hey. <laughs> Um, and um, but where's no, but he gone? The, well, so the conclusion is quite sad because, well, it's, it's quite funny. Um, but no, so they, they got a divorce basically over that, uh, which feels quite mad, but here we are. Um, and he, he now has a German partner and concludes the piece by saying that he feels really sad when she gets to cut, you know, the queues at airports by going to the EU bit and he can't. <laughs> <laughs> Tough tits. Finn, you have also got this. You've, got, you've just loved the sun today, don't you? The, the sun in uh, its lifestyle section has its lust what the doctor ordered. A daily bunk up can help beat cancer. Uh, around four minutes of sex <laughs> cuts the risk by up to a third. I know what you're thinking. Well, I've got to do it twice. Um, yeah, appar- apparently just sort of increasing your, 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 your movement. Movement. Just general movement. Okay. No, not in a sexual sense, just movement. Uh, I, don't, I haven't read it. But what is what is weird, <laughs> slightly um, passive-aggressive, is that in the same like box as that story, the next story, the first sentence is, tiny two-millimetre-thick worm-like robots that can wriggle deep <laughs> into the lungs could target and destroy tumour cells. And it's like, all right, mate. <laughs> Thanks for that. And Marie, you've got another story. Uh, yes, I do. Well, as, as a former diarist uh, myself, I always have, a, a, you know, a, a big soft spot for diary columns. Um, and TMS, especially in The Times, is always lovely. And there's a great one today on... Uh, so Nick Cave uh, played a gig in 2009 uh, in Brighton. And after one song, he asked if anyone wanted to ask him a question. Like, so he likes audience participation and stuff. And uh, apparently a voice came out from the audience and said, I live in your old flat in Hove. Do you know where the stopcock is? <laughs> <laughs> I also love the idea that Nick Cave would know, as if he would. <laughs> and that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to Marie. Thank you. And thanks to Finn. Thank you. Uh, you can go to bed now. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening and don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. If you really like us, then leave us five stars on Spotify and Apple and tell all your newsy, jokey chums about how fabulous we are. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Paper Cuts Show. Links are in the show notes. And don't forget, fix the headline. Look out for it on Twitter and threads. I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the star informs us that there's 150 sleeps until Christmas. But we haven't even been on our summer holidays yet. See you next time.